Hello, hello, ladies and gentlemen. This is your girl, Betsy. Today, we are going to be thinking about personal motivation. I know we spoke about motivation in other episodes, but today we're really focusing on personal motivation, how it really affects you personally. I have a special guest today that will be giving and sharing his perspective on this matter. Dave, why don't you go ahead and take it away? Hi, everybody. This is Dave. Uh, it's a pleasure to be here. Motivation, what a funny funny thing to talk about, isn't it? It seems like it's just there, but it actually it's not. <laughs> I've worked in healthcare for 35 years, way back into the 1980s. And most recently, I was working as the CEO of a community health center. Have you, do you know what a community health center is? I believe so. It's just where the community comes and if they need like certain health questions or just a place to be around, they have that opportunity to do so. Is that right? It can be very similar to that, I think. There are about 1,400 community health centers all around the country. So literally every county has access to a community health center of some kind. And the idea was to provide services where maybe there was less access, serving more vulnerable populations. And where I was, I was in rural Oregon. I'm in Washington State now, but I was in rural Oregon. And we served a lot of migrant and seasonal farm workers, for example, as well as a lot of, you know, people who weren't. But that was kind of, you know, that's how we got our start because they didn't have access to any care. We had developed a model that we were really proud of, maybe too proud of, I don't know. But (laughs) we were looking at like you, Mitzi, if you came into the health center, you are the captain of the care team, right? So it's not this old model where you come in and we poke and prod and ask you some questions and tell you what to do, right? And then you go off and do what we tell you to do, then you're a good patient. So this is more like you come in and say, I have some challenges. It could be mental. It could be kind of in your mouth. It could be physical health. It could be in a lot of different areas. And you say, I would like some help. And so we become a team of people, depending on what you need, you as a whole person, right? We then flex the services to give you hopefully what you need to be successful. And so we had done some really cool things. We had, you know, become financially stable. We had grown quite a lot. We outgrew our building and we had a great reputation in the community. A lot of people wanted to come see us and we didn't have any space for them. And I think one of the things I was most proud of was that we had eliminated any disparities in health outcomes between our majority population and our minority population. So if you were diabetic or struggling with depression or, you know, had diabetes or whatever it is, there was no difference in outcomes, you know, between these populations, which is very unusual in the United States. But yeah. And so we had done all these cool things. We had a wonderful team of people, medicine, you know, so physicians and nurse practitioners, nurses, therapists, social workers, dentists, hygienists, coaches. We had all kinds of different things. And again, we flex things based on what you need. So we had this opportunity to build a brand new building. It was going to be twice as big. It was going to be expensive. (laughs) And we thought, well, we've got this wonderful model of care where you're the captain of the care team. But even with good technology and wonderful people and a new facility designed around this model that centers around you and your needs, I had this epiphany that if we can't help people, 
better fulfill the role as the captain of the care team, then we're going to greatly limit our effectiveness. And we obviously didn't want to spend all that money and not be a lot more effective. And so we started thinking about, well, and I'm a little embarrassed, I'm a little slow baby, but uh, you know, like, what does that mean even? I mean, if we want to be the captain of the care team, what are the skill sets? You know, what does that really mean? Let's define that and get more specific. So we started to do that. And in the process, I realized it was really about change, right? So, and I love your title or whatever your tagline or whatever, you know, let's think, think right? Yeah. And so we were trying to really think about it and we realized it was about change, right? And there's two kinds of change, just a change that goes on around us. So like when I was very early in my career, I bought a modem. For my office, we put a built a new health center way out in the country. This was in the Seattle area, and I bought a modem, and it was about the size of this keyboard, and it cost like eighteen hundred dollars, <laughs> and it was at the speed of a very very slow dial-up. So there was no video conferencing over this thing, no Zoom or you know nothing like that. But it allowed us to transfer some data from this remote site, to, you know, to the main office where the big computers were. And um, I was the CFO, which back in those days meant I was also the chief technology officer. <laughs> and, you know, that was amazing. You know, that was really cool. And figuring out how to get that to work was very relevant. Today, you know, that's kind of useless. I mean, that thing's a, an anchor in the bottom <laughs> of the landfill someplace. And so, you know, today I'm on my laptop and we've got Zoom and I don't know where you are. Oh, I'm in Wisconsin. Wisconsin. How fun is yeah. that? Um, and I'm in Washington State, so eastern Washington near Idaho. And we just click, you know, and zoom and it's there. So technology and just things, they evolve around us. And so we need to have the ability to change, learn new skills and keep up with that stuff. Otherwise, we lose our relevance. Frankly, we lose our capacity just to kind of be in charge of our own lives. And so that's important. But as important as it is, it's even more important that we able to manage change inside, right, within our own minds, within our own lives. And that kind of change takes a different skill set. So we started studying change models. And then in behavioral science, there are a number of different change models. And I got to a point where I kind of put them up on a spreadsheet because I was a finance guy for a long time. And so I like spreadsheets, you know, and I kind of put them up and I said, what are the stages of change in these, mm-hmm. the trans-theoretical model of change, which is a really fancy sounding thing, and then various other change models. And I realized, this is my second epiphany, was that at the core, at the very beginning of each of these change models was this thing that I'd never thought about, which is personal or intrinsic motivation. So if we want to be in captain of our care team, and by extension, the captain of our own lives, this idea of intrinsic or personal motivation is central to all of these models. So whatever theory, you know, we subscribe to or that we like a little bit better than the other, this idea is always there. And so I started studying that. And it was an amazing journey. I left that job that I was at. I had a disagreement with my board. (laughs) I lost the argument. (laughs) And so I had some time on my hands. And I spent the next two years really trying to say, well, you know, what do scientists tell us are the underpinnings or the core elements of intrinsic or personal motivation, which is so essential for us, right, just to manage our own lives in the change process. And as I got into this further and further, I realized that 
there's all these influences around us. There's our parents, there's our friends, there's our employer, there's, you know, every, we have like 3,000 images that we're exposed to every day, most of them by somebody who wants us to do something that they want us to do. (laughs) You know, click on this, friend that, you know, buy this. Exactly. And so, you know, it's on our phone, it's on our laptop, it's on our desktop, it's on screens at the doctor's office in the waiting room, it's every where you can think of, right? We have all of these things trying to influence us, but how do we then remain in charge of that? So we're not just like blindly kind of going with the flow, but in fact, setting our own course and pursuing that at our own pace, because we're all different. So it's going to look different for each of us. And so I discovered, I'm trying to cut to the chase a little bit here, these 10 principles, and they fall under three kind of categories. The very first is our own personal or our core values. So this isn't my parents' values or my teacher's values or employer's values, which are all fine and good, but it's about me understanding and making my own core values explicit. And so I'm trying as I get older to get away from the mechanical metaphor, which is this idea that we're all a machine and that we fit into the machine and we're cogs in the machine. And so we we drive change and we drive progress and we drive this and that. But you know what? Driving doesn't work with human beings, right? I love the late Stephen R. Covey said, we manage stuff, but we lead people. And I like using a more natural metaphor when we're talking about ourselves and how we connect with other people. It should be more like using natural metaphors, like we nurture relationships. We don't drive relationships. I've been married for almost 37 years. This year will be 37 years. And if I ever said to my wife, sweetheart, let's get in the car and you drive me there. And if you do that, you're a good wife. And I pat her on his head and, you know, I give her a candy bar, right? That doesn't work very well. That isn't going to work, right? Because she's a human being. She's a person and I'm a person. And so we nurture these relationships, right? So it just, it's very different. So instead of using a machine and how things fit in a machine, I'd like to think of us as a cherry tree because I was in a rural area with lots of cherry trees and I love cherry. And we look at these values, that is the root ball. That's what goes into the ground and draws nutrients. It provides energy. It provides moisture. And that's really the beginning. The first thing a seed does, because in nature, everything starts small, right? Is as it breaks open that shell of the seed, it starts to put down roots. So that's really the beginning place. And in the book I wrote, right, this is the very first chapter. And that's why. Because for each of us, as we try to uncover, connect with, and empower our own personal personal motivation, it starts with our own personal values. If we have time, we can get back into this, but the next set of principles, so the next six principles, in fact, have to do with something called self-efficacy, which so far, nobody knows what that is. So... That I've talked to, right? Yeah, I had another guest on my show talk about the importance of self-efficacy. And everything that you're saying is really on point. It really sounds like you started this journey, this personalized momentum in your life that really inspired you to not only change your life, but the ones around you, you know? And it seems like that's what a lot of people's motivation is. Once they get to that point of trying to fix themselves, they realize, you know what? This information is so great. Let me share it with the world. And I think 
think that that's amazing that you're able to share it with the world. I was actually looking at your website and I see that you have tons of core values on there that people can download and just pin up and reflect and remember. And I think that's amazing. And I was just looking through everything that you have of David <laughs> on your website. And I was just like, oh my goodness, this is really inspirational. People really need to understand this in a different way. Because like you said, we are all like seeds and how we grow depends really on us. And I think the problem is that people forget that we're seeds and we have to be planted and our roots go in the ground first before we ever sprout up in the air. And, but they only focus their trunk up and their trees are already growing and flourishing and being fruitful. But then they ask their question, but what about me? Well, keep going, you know, and keep pursuing on. Life doesn't happen in a snap of a finger, you know, it doesn't work like that. And I think that's the problem. We're a little bit impatient, you know, we, we, we set goals and then if they don't come out the way that we imagine them, then we're disappointed. And I was reading your goal sheets actually that you have on there as well. And I was so interested because you know, what's funny the other day, my mom actually messaged me. She was like, Mitzi, how do you really set goals for yourself? What is a goal? And I was just like, ma, really? You're going to ask what a goal is? Like, what, did you not have any motivation? She's like, eh, not really. How do I get motivation? And I'm just like, oh my goodness. I just wanted to squeeze her. <laughs> <laughs> but I actually sent that to my mom so that she can reference because I think that is amazing. Not a lot of people actually tap into that motivation. Not a lot of people tap into their goals. I didn't realize that until my mom messaged me. She's like, how do I do this? I thought you would know. <laughs> Funny. Well, that was meant to happen, it sounds like. Yeah, most definitely. That's why I'm glad that we met. I feel like everybody that I've encountered has truly been on purpose in some way, shape or form because I've been meeting amazing people like yourself like I would have never guessed you were so intellectual and you were so wise in your own way if I never gave you an opportunity to speak your mind and just be on my show you know and I think that's the problem is that we just look at people and judge at the first appearance without giving anybody the benefit of the doubt and I think your motivation to help every class in every stage where you were able to separate that gap was amazing you know I you should feel proud of yourself because you were able to do something and the fact that you were able to still write a book and do everything and still have your knowledge and your mind intact because you seem like a very intact individual where you're not loony toony how my grandpa says <laughs> i'm trying <laughs> well and it's interesting you talk about like goals and goal sheets right I mean, there's a set of processes that are or principles, I think, are very important as we lead up to that. But all of that stuff falls under that rubric of self-efficacy. And then the third principle, which is really important, especially for the guys out there that might be listening, because guys tend to be very, you know, get or done focused. I just want to make stuff happen, right? Without thinking about it too much. They just get out there and, and get going. Yeah. yeah. And so it's really important. So like the second principle in that, self, so the start of self-efficacy after we've recognized and made our values explicit is really around self-awareness and awareness of what's around you. So awareness in general. And then we look at learning and intentionality. So like, what is our intent as we get into things? We can think of that like our vision. And then we get into planning and then carrying out goals. And then we move into the third area, which is self-compassion.
compassion. And I look at these as balancing forces in our life. So self-efficacy is about the exercise of control. It's about getting things done. It's about making progress. But self-compassion is about recognizing that we're human beings and we're not machines. We have flaws, weaknesses, strengths, right? And we recognize that as we pursue our goals and we never lose sight of that the fact that we are in fact human beings which have to be balanced creatures. If we always are pursuing, but we're never becoming, then in very short amount of time, that lack of becoming will become the limiting factor to accomplishing the things that we want to do in our life. And so this idea of balance, of doing and becoming in balance, so it's like growing roots and trunk of a tree in order to have the beautiful harvest that we want, right? This big productive tree with all of this fruit that that we've been striving for. And 90% of what we see around us is about building the fruit. It's about how, you know, it's a, how do I do this? How do I build an audience? How do I accomplish this, right? How do I make more money? How do I, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And what we need is some balance with the how, with the why, and with connection. How do we connect with human beings, honor and respect each other as fellow sojourners, if you will, on our individual journeys? And how do we keep these things in balance? And the beauty of being in balance is that when things are bad, if we have developed the who we are and who we are becoming along with what we are doing, what happens is we have a weak trunk and roots, right? Our values aren't deeply rooted in the ground. Our sense of our common humanity, our sense of self-compassion, our sense of being mindful, right? If those things aren't developed, then what happens is if we're getting lots done and there's lots of stuff on top, and then we have a trial or a struggle, right? And we all have trials or struggles, right? We all have seasons in our lives when these things aren't going well. And what happens then is kind of like the tree where you have a bad spring. And maybe, you know, it doesn't get as warm. And so maybe it's really rained a lot. And so the ground is saturated and the tree in the slightest wind starts to fail. So we think about this in our lives, right? If we have these seasons where things aren't going as well, we're more struggling. We have maybe too many things going on. Maybe there's some depression or other kind of mental challenges. Maybe we have some physical challenges we haven't had to deal with before, maybe business or, you know, relationships, whatever it is, right? We all have these seasons. And when we're all focused on doing and accomplishing, not in balance with becoming and connecting, what happens is our failures tend to be more catastrophic, like the tree blowing over or the, you know, the roots dying or connections that keep us grounded, right? And so we want to avoid these kind of catastrophic failures. And the beauty of this model is that we think of this natural metaphor is that when things are bad, with the strong roots, deep and productive and a strong, flexible trunk will survive without catastrophic failure. We might produce less, right? Because that's just the natural thing that will happen, but we don't have the failure that sets us back that we can't do, that we feel like we can't recover from. And then when the times are good, you know, the spring is right on, the sun is out, moisture is just right. So all the things are going right in life. What happens is that we can actually produce more than we ever could with a weak trunk and weak roots, right? Because we have this built-in natural capacity to produce more when things are going well. So no matter what the season of life is or the challenges or the lack of, we are better off by striving 
need to remain balanced in who as well as what to accomplish and become at the same time. And the beauty of that in addition is that we can do it for our entire life. There's never an end to that growth and development and progress. And we can do more and be more till the day we die. I was so impressed with this research. We don't need to be concerned about what we've done in the past. Maybe we've made, you know, some bad decisions and then we've had to suffer the consequences of that. So that's okay. It doesn't matter what we have not done in the past, right? So maybe I haven't pursued or I haven't developed. It doesn't matter, right? We only have today and then looking forward. So wherever we are, whatever we've done or not done, whatever our education level, whatever our race or gender, whatever our income or, you know, career, it doesn't really make any difference. Every one of us can grow and develop and evolve and become and accomplish more than we've ever imagined by slow, steady, balanced progress. And as I title of the book says, we become a new you on an ongoing basis. I mean, who knew? Yeah, I like the way that you titled it and the way that you have your book really framed because it really gives people the understanding that it's possible. You know what I'm saying? And I think that's what people need now is to have the understanding that it's possible because it's like you said, you know, they have this affirmation of what they want. And when it doesn't happen, they get it comes catastrophic, as you stated, and it really flips the switch on their perspective moving forward. And I think when people read this book, it's going to give them a different understanding of how to handle that and how to keep moving forward. And I applaud you for that, because I wouldn't know where to even begin on that aspect. But I appreciate that, because everything that you're saying is making perfect sense. I'm just over here thinking about it and putting in different scenarios. And I'm just like, right on the point. (laughs) (laughs) And these are all foundation. So the book is not a master course, right? We've all heard that word, right? So this is really building these foundations. And there's a lot of growth and development that can go on beyond this. You know, there's a lot of other resources available to us. But what I see happening over and over again is people don't build these foundations. So again, they're out here doing all the how do I, how do I, and they're trying to grow and do that. And yet they struggle unnecessarily because they haven't built these foundations on which all those other things will be more successful. And so I'm really trying to get the word out that if we can build these foundations in our lives, they'll be there forever, right? They're just a part of us now. And and everything we try to do, whether it be trying to get things done or trying to connect with other people and relationships, be they personal or professional, will go better because of these foundations. Yeah, absolutely. And I think once people realize that you can't build a house without foundations, it's the same concept of you can't pick and choose what you want to work on. You can't pick and choose where you want to start in the race. It doesn't work like that. Everyone starts in the beginning. It just depends on when you decide to start, you know, and it doesn't matter when you decide to start. As long as you start, I think that's the thing. People shouldn't be afraid to even start exploring themselves, start trying to create those foundations, start to ask themselves those real hard questions because 
it sounds like with your book and with your foundation and where you're setting people up is to basically ask yourself, reflect on those answers and how to project that in your life going forward. And I think people really need to see that in a different way as well. I absolutely agree with you. And I guess to start wrapping up the show before the thing completely shuts up on us is what would be some great advice that you can possibly give myself or my audience that may be listening? I know you already yeah. gave me <laughs> some great advice in it already. But what would be some other advice that you could possibly give us? I think a beautiful habit that helps us to think, right? So again, thinking about your audience of people who are thinking and trying to think more in their lives, a pattern that I think is super helpful that anybody can do is to start your morning each day by being intentional. So what do I want to do today? And again, in that sense of balance, who do I want to become? What is my intent? And if we think about that and we mentally exercise and think about maybe I'm working on communicating better, just as a, you know, whatever it is for every person is going to be different, right? And so we can think about, hey, I've got, I'm going to have lunch with so-and-so, or I've got a meeting with somebody or, you know, whatever it is. And you be intentional about how do I want to communicate if that's what your intention is about, you know, whatever it is, you know, that's what I want you to place in there. What is my intent for the day? And at the end of the day, be accountable. So we're intentional in the morning, we're accountable in the evening. That doesn't have to take over your life. I don't care how busy you are. You can take five minutes in the morning at some point and five minutes in the evening or whenever you know, the beginning of your end of your day is, right? And at the end of the day, you go, how did I do, right? This was my intent. How did I do? And maybe I did good. Maybe I didn't do as good. That's not what is important. What matters and what is important is that you thinking about how did I do? And then you start to say, this was good. I want to reinforce that. This didn't go so well. And there's a pattern. And I'll save it for in my book. But there's a five-step process that you can go through where you can take things that didn't go well and you, in fact, learn from them, which is the third principle. And then the next morning, as you're intentional again about your day, you use that five-step process to then reinforce doing a little bit better. There you go. I like that very much. Thank you, Dane. That is very insightful and very enlightening. Thank you. And I hope anybody who's listening, if you want to know more, if you're curious about his book and you're just on this self growth journey, go check out Dave. Don't miss that pit stop in your train. <laughs> stop on him and check out his website. Go print out the gold worksheet that he has available. It is free. Just so you know, <laughs> everybody likes free, but go yep. purchase the book. It's going to be really enlightening for yourself in this journey that you're really trying to rediscover yourself and reinvent yourself so that you can have the new you in this ongoing life that we are really truly living in. And and you can find his lovely picture under my special guest on my website. And then you can find a link directly to his website. So you can have everything of Dave. <laughs> Alrighty, y'all. So that's our show. Thank you so much for stopping by. You guys stay safe. Bye. Thank you. Bye-bye.